0: Church and all the notes in scripture will be there for you, and we will hear the word of the Lord, read by Jackie. Sorry, we moved the mic to the other side. You know, we're always mixing it up.
1: Good morning. Okay, and so we will start with Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the Ten of meeting on the first day of the second month, in the second year, after they had come out of the land of Egypt instead take a census of all the congregation of the people of israel by clans by fathers houses according to the number of names every male head by head from 20 years old and upward all in israel who are able to go to war you and aaron shall list them, company by company and there shall be with you a man from each tribe each man being the head of the house's fathers and these are the names of the men you shall who shall assist you from reuben Eliezer, son of Shadur, from Simeon. Shalumiel, the son of Zerushaddai, from Judah. Nashon, the son of Aminadab, from Issachar. Nathaniel, the son of Zuar, from Zebulun. Eliab, the son of Helen. From the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim. Elishama, the son of Emelhud, and from Manasseh. Gamaliel, the son of Padozer, from Benjamin. Abaddon, the son of Gideonai, from Dan. Ahazer, the son of Amishaddai from Asher, Pagal, the son of Okran, from Gad, Eliasabas, the son of Duel from Naphtali, Ahirah, the son of Enan. These were the ones shown from the congregation, the chiefs of their ancestral tribes, the heads of the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men who had been named, and on the first day of the second month, they assembled the whole congregation together, who registered themselves by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of the names from 20 years old and upward head by head, as the Lord commanded Moses. So he listed them in the wilderness of Sinai. And from Numbers 1, 44 through 46, these are those who were listed, and Moses and Aaron listed with the help of the chiefs of Israel, twelve men, each representing his father's house. So all those listed of the people of Israel by their fathers' houses, from twenty years old and upward, every man able to go toward war in Israel, all those listed, We're 603,550. Father, it is good to know that we are seen, that we are known, that you know our names. You've numbered the hairs on our heads, Lord. And that you've chosen us, each one, from the foundation of the earth. Thank you, Father, that... You have adopted us into your family that you've put us in families that you have purposes for to accomplish your glory through our individual personalities and giftings and talents lord help us father to move forward in this coming year in the things that you have for us knowing lord that we are not alone that we are called and that we are appreciated, valued, Lord, because of what it is that you want to do in and through us in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jackie. So you've ever, ever wondered why we have Scripture readers, now you know. There's a list of names. You did phenomenal. Um, uh, that's not really why we have Scripture readers, but that might be part of it, so I don't have to read those types of texts. Um, so great job there. And thank you for praying for us. So the big idea for this morning is that you are meant to thrive on the journey with Jesus belonging to his people. So our whole study of the book of Numbers is just going to be like hashtag journey with Jesus. That's kind of going to be our guide and title is we live in our own wilderness on our way to home with him. We're going to see how Israel lived Uh, before God and how we should then live before God in Christ and key as we start off is that you are meant to thrive on this journey with Jesus belonging to his people you are not meant to go it alone in life now last week after service was a phenomenal time if you were here um, thank you for participating we do our celebration service to start the year where we recount the ways in which the Lord has been kind to us in the previous year and then celebrate that and pray into the new year. And after service, uh, a few of us were chatting in the back and we were talking about what we had done the day before. And I was actually fascinated that multiple families in Reservoir Church had used New Year's Eve to watch Harry Potter movies. So at least three. Any other families watch Harry Potter? Oh, that's four. So there we go. Uh, we now know how to disciple us, Dave Schwartner. You've got to fix us, right? Um, in, in the Schrader home, we do have some Potter fans, and you should know they even all have wands. And please don't email me. I know the dangers of witchcraft. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. Um, so it, we'll, we'll get through it. Um, but in the stories, if you've read them, or clearly some of you have watched them, it is... Always striking to me that Harry always wants to go it alone. He's always trying to tell the other classmates and his friends, like, no, you can't sacrifice yourself for me. Let me just handle Lord Voldemort, and I can take him on by myself. And it's veiled in this not wanting others to suffer. At least that's how he communicates it. But if you get the subtext of it, I wonder if it's rooted in a bit of pride of self. He knows he's the chosen one. Surely he can handle the task that is supposed to happen. But the battles are never just about Harry Potter. It's never just about getting rid of the chosen one or striking down the one that could take down the evil one. There's this particular scene in... Deathly Hollows, I think, part one, right, where Ron, his best friend, reminds him of this truth that they're not sacrificing themselves only for Harry; they're actually doing it for the world, for the good of everyone. And I, th- I think that we, like Harry, are actually conditioned to think only of ourselves. Anybody else like confession time? Are you are you the most important person in your life? Right, because we take the place of priority, and we do it quite naturally. And there's some nature to it that's healthy, like we have to protect ourselves. But the more that we go on, like seeing ourselves as the most important, eventually we make ourselves the center, uh, which the whole world is meant to revolve around. Right, and it's it's funny in the church when we do this because when loving your neighbor becomes about making sure that you're actually loving yourself first, right? And then we do other crazy things out of this bosom of self, out of the desire to put ourselves first. But humanity, those that are born in the image of God, which is all of us, all humans who have ever lived, we were made for more than self. The Trinity in community makes humans in their image. The heavenly council is in relationship and extending that to us through creation. It's baked into us, this ache for belonging, for home. Sometimes we recognize it and we, we try to get rid of it, but I want you to recognize it and harness it appropriately in light of who you are in Christ. And just think of it from adolescence. We have the youth Um, This afternoon and it is, you know, your body triggers and hormones start pumping through your life. And when they kick in, it's just this natural drive to create a home, to create a place of belonging that they can call their own where they know they are part. Even just last week, I was reflecting on these New Year's Eve um, revelers that are out. You know, who stayed up to midnight? All of you. Right. I was awake, but I was in bed. It was so great. But I just thought of it like those that are out at the bar, that are partying, that are frequenting these hookup and dating apps, right? They are all subconsciously just looking and longing for what Lawrence has, a mortgage and two kids (laughs) and a a wife to call his own, a home, a, a place to belong, to be able to be home on New Year's Eve in comfortable clothes, right? And this ache can drive us to do absolutely crazy things, too. So we have to be very careful. We can um, have long-held priorities in our lives and just end up setting them aside because we want to belong with somebody. So we have to be abundantly careful with this longing. There's a new book out about this deeply experienced longing for home by everybody. Um, and the writers say we live in the midst of a crisis of home, it is evident in the massive uprooting and migration of millions across the globe, in the anxious nationalism awaiting immigrants in their destinations, in the unhoused populations in wealthy cities, in the fractured households of families, and in the worldwide destruction of habitats and international struggles for dominance. It is evident, perhaps more quietly, but just as truly in the aching sense that there is nowhere we truly belong. And this ache, this belonging like this, what we deeply long for in the depths of our souls with or without words to fully describe it, is not ultimately found in a family, at home, but in belonging to Jesus be in union with him through faith, made part of his family, given brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. The truth is that religious expression rooted in self has ruined our sense of belonging because we are meant for a vision of God who created, loves, and is renewing the world to come and dwell among us, a vision that is to be presented through the church as those that belong to this renewing Savior to Jesus. And so belonging in this way is how we thrive on our way to that ultimate home, to the new heavens and new earth with Jesus. And I think we begin to see this in Numbers. What what a terrible name for a book. Um, Numbers, right? Don't get me started on Deuteronomy. But It's it's essentially just taken from the Greek, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Pentateuch. And so you look at it and they probably just named it that because there's two key census in this um, story, this account of Israel. But I, I, I love the Hebrew translation better because it's essentially just named In the Wilderness. That matches a little bit better, but we know it's written by Moses. It's his fourth book of the Pentateuch. It is after the Exodus, so after Israel has been brought out of slavery in Egypt, and they have been given the law at Sinai, and then we meet them in this story. And as we see over these weeks, as we study the book of Numbers, it's a story of two generations, essentially. One is faithless and one is faithful. It's a story of God's covenant promises to his people that remain through all time, and it's a story of God's presence with his people in the wilderness. So why numbers for us as Reservoir Church, as believers in Jesus in 2023? And the truth is, I just think we are people on a journey living as exiles in our own wilderness spaces, listening for the voice of God to direct our lives. One writer says, Because the New Testament consistently describes the church's life in the present age as being in the wilderness, there is much application in numbers for us to glean. The Christian is one who has been delivered out of the bondage of sin and brought through the waters of baptism into the pilgrim life of the church, journeying to the promised new heavens and new earth. Another pastor says we live as they did between salvation accomplished and salvation completed. We live between the work of God in accomplishing our salvation at the cross and the time when that salvation will be brought to its consummation when Christ returns. And we, too, live between the times we are in the wilderness journeying with Jesus. So as we embark then from this census that we heard of, we can recognize that we are meant to thrive on the journey with Jesus belonging to his people. And today, all we want to do as a church and as a people is take inventory. This is essentially like making a packing list for the journey, all the things that we need and all those that belong in this caravan. And it's essentially a headcount count. For us, but it's more than just heads. Because if we've learned anything from the home alone franchise, is more than just a number, we have to have a face and a name. So we start by suggesting that we should count those that belong to you. Here we see the Lord Yahweh spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai from the place that the law is given, and he writes, Take He speaks, and this is what he says, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male, head by head, from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. So this list, this count, the 600,000 that are counted, these are the warriors of Israel. These are those that can fight and they're the ones that are to be counted. This is essentially just an army roster for Israel because entering into the promised land for this people would require battling, require the taking of territory. So Moses and Aaron and all of the leaders of the families obediently counted in this moment and they have huge numbers. We let Jackie skip over the each tribe that was counted in the individual numbers of each tribe. But we get to more than 600,000 men of age that could go to war. And this is making Israel as many as 2 million people, counting the promise to Abraham that his offspring would be as the stars fill the sky. They're told to count so they know what they have. He gives this picture of strength in numbers, that they will be prepared if they are called on to go to battle. When this census has happened, I wonder, did it, it generate some sort of pride in like a healthy pride, not like the, the sinful pride, but a healthy pride in tribe? Right? Like thinking of our clan, of our family, look at us, look at you know how big we are as Judah. I wonder if it was a confidence booster reminding the people who they actually were. So on occasion, you need to be reminded who you are, who God says you are, and that will drive you forward in his plan. You think of the young men in their 20s thinking, I am of Judah. I am of Ephraim. I am of Asher. And more than of that family or that tribe, they are of Israel. All of these, all that are counted, know that they are to have each other's back, or at least they are supposed to, as tribes, to care for each other as the nation. It's true, well, our journey won't require, likely, physical war, despite what some false teachers might tell you. You're not going to have to actually take up the sword in this battle. But it is full of battles spiritually, nonetheless, right? In the New Testament, we see it over and over again. Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we resist those forces with our brothers and sisters. That's the one another's painted all throughout scripture. When Paul to the Roman church talks about the kingdom, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. That's who's in. And so then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. We're the... Build each other up. Strengthen each other. Come alongside each other. Say that I'm of Judah, but I've got Ephraim's back. The Corinthian church, he says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The church is built to be this family, this clan that cares for each other we have done a terrible disservice in my lifetime making all of faith about like this personal situation. Because yes, you are individually saved by Christ on the cross, fulfilling all righteousness for you individually. But you are then made into a family, members of his kingdom to care for each other. In Hebrews, he said, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Every time we read this scripture, the people that need to hear it don't show up. <laughs> Text them, go ahead. In love. But And we could go on with those one another's, with that call of community in the church, couldn't we? It's all over the New Testament. We are saved and redeemed from sin, and we are made part of a body, part of a kingdom, and we need others to fight for us, to carry us, to care for us. That's where that sense of long belonging, that longing to be part of something is met. When I know people have my back, when I know people are going to care for me, And this is the church, a clan among other clans with the purpose of building up, defending, reminding each other who we actually are, and it's it's very good for us to know who these people are. We should count them. So my encouragement as we move into the new year, Reservoir Church, is to take inventory. Know who has your back, who belongs to you, who cares for you. Create a prayer list. Those that you reach out in times of need. When you need somebody to unload your van as you've driven across the world, essentially, right? I wish that list was bigger. My back is so. No, I'm kidding. Call me anytime, right? But create a list. Like, let the people in the church know, like, I, I feel like you have my back. I'm going to email you and let you know when I need some help or prayer. I'm going to call you. I'm going to rely on you. It's important. In, essentially, in the church, it's pretty easy for us, but you have to make sure that you have a basis for a relationship to have somebody that belongs to you, right? And you have to have a little bit of proximity to these people. This is why we're doing groups in proximity to one another because the truth is that I can't text Tim Keller and tell Tim that I'm counting on him to intervene in my life when things get thick, right? I mean, I would love to. I don't have his number. If you have his number, I need a mentor, right? (laughs) But we have families. We have friends. We have church. We have small groups that we would have people that belong to us, that can care for us. And as a church, we've been, uh, in these last couple weeks, regrouping, changing our small groups. And this month... And some of us are going to be adding new folks to that count, to that inventory of who belongs to us. Those that we can rely on to spur us on, to anchor us, to hold us up, to lift our arms when we're in battle. I talked to a number of men in the church about leadership recently. And I always use the example of, um, is it on Ward- is it, what's, what's, where does he throw the ring? Into Mount Doom, right? Okay, so they're on Mount Doom. They're going, right? And Samwise, see, I, I said this to Joey, so he knows the reference, right? But he says to Frodo, Samwise, is the faithful companion, right? And he says to Frodo, Frodo, like, I cannot carry the ring, but I can carry you. The truth is, we need to recognize the gamgees among us, like who is set to carry us. They may not be able to own the individual burden that you have, but they can certainly carry you. They can build you up. And that's the whole point of the census. Who's got our back? Who has our flank? Who will carry us? It requires access to your life, guys. Commitment to be part of the war party yourself requires honesty about where you are. And in the book of Numbers, it's not always a question of where the Israelites are located geographically, but where they are to be found spiritually. And belonging exposes that for us. Because we can't hide when you belong, when you're relying on people. When people belong to you, it shows where you are. That's what our fighting, fighting friends help us discern in our lives. And they're the ones that help us make progress towards health, towards transformation in Christ's likeness and they, there are levels of belonging. There are clans, tribes, and nations, right? You might need three people for up close, full access to your life that can dig in, know you the best. There might be 10 for the broader journey. You, maybe your prayer chain, your encouragers, your troop. There's probably your small group. And then there's the church at a higher level for exhortation, unity, and mission. And then there's just the kingdom, that we're part of the greater kingdom moving forward for the glory of Christ. And as we begin the year, count those that belong to you. Some of their names and faces are coming to your head as I'm speaking right now, where you are cared for, protected, and brought onward to the promise. And if you don't have any, just ask to be added to the number. Get into a group. Now is the perfect time. Our small groups start on or after the 17th, and they'll be vital for this journey together. So count who belongs to you, and then count who you belong to. Counting those that belong to you is easy, because we are served. We are cared for. And this is tougher, but this is actually where real life is found, in giving yourself away for others. Being the one others count on for care, for protection, Because this census was more than just a count. It was a reminder to those counted that they were part of the army. That they would be relied upon in the battles. And it requires self-sacrifice and maybe even their lives as they're counted. And for us on the journey, it's not the risk of actual death, but it can feel like it. It requires more than access. It requires availability. When you belong to others, you are reliable. And we can't say, oh, I have your back, but I only see you twice a quarter. Right? We can't say, I'm here for you, but my schedule is just full. Right? This count gives us, I think, space for repentance and a reprioritizing of our lives, making room for those that we belong to, that we are called to care for. And here's the truth, guys. We all have different jobs. We have different experiences. But we all have the exact same amount of time. And it's what we value that might differ. And being part of the family of God is an invitation to value each other above other things. And I don't say this to unleash guilt upon you, but to remind you that we are supposed to be a about this as followers of Jesus. This is what we're called into, what we're saved into. Galatians, Paul, right? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Later on, it says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, and if we do not give up, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I think it's where we thrive, living life not just about me, but about us, about family, about tribe. Served and serving, protected and protecting, available, giving access to your life as an invitation to others. To take you up on the offer. To actually care for them. And the key thing in being reliable is paying attention to those you belong to. Like, think about them. Hear what they say when they speak to you. Hear what they're asking for. Mark in your mind how their life is unfolding so that you can support them in it. And When you count those that belong to you and those that you belong to, you need to know that as your pastor, I am on everyone's list, Right? But you are meant for more than me. Count those that belong to you. Count who you belong to. Paul has given us a belonging manifesto in Philippians 2. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself." That each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Because that's true. We count those that belong to you, and we count those that we belong to, But the essential bit is that we would be counted belonging to Jesus. I'm struck that here in the book of Numbers, the names that Jackie read, those names that were given to Moses and Aaron to help with the census, those names were spoken by God. He knows them. He's present in the wilderness for the whole journey. The merciful, gracious, and ultimately faithful one of this story is here. And the New Testament tells us that Jesus is on the journey with them too. Paul would say, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same from the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. So the provision in the wilderness is Jesus. Jesus himself would say that he was the bread from heaven for them. And it's this faithful God that is inviting the people into obedience in this account, in this story of Israel and their journey. And And here, in the first chapter, they were obedient. He tells us, that, as the Lord commanded Moses, so he listed them in the wilderness of Sinai. They took a census. They were obedient. But this generation that is counted here will struggle with obedience as the story unfolds. And we'll see it. Will encounter it. And like them, we are in need of a perfect obedience, a righteousness that ensures the promised land, that guarantees we'll get home. And friends, we have that in Jesus, the sinless one who lived in our place, fully obedient to the Father. The gospel is not that Jesus survived the wilderness and so can you. It is that Jesus went through the wilderness faithfully in your place, establishing the perfect righteousness that he now gives to us. His obedience credited to us as a free gift is what enables us to stand in God's presence. And what's more, having passed through the wilderness, Jesus has now ascended into heaven to prepare a place for us. And this wilderness will eventually end that we experience now to be replaced by the promised land of rest with him We get their belonging to him the one who provides our sustenance our water and bread but also his blood to atone for our sin and establish a new covenant of grace with us those who turn from their disregard of god that come to jesus for redemption from the slavery of sin for new life and promise all those are written in the book of life and secure in him forever. And if you haven't belonged to Jesus, now is the time to come to confess that you have been looking for answers in the wrong places. You've been looking for belonging in temporary things that can't satisfy that ache you have. The truth is, Jesus is still counting those that are his. He is still welcoming people home. He still declares, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest for your souls in answer to the longing and the depth of your heart for belonging. And it's his spirit that empowers us for the battle, for serving our fighting friends together onward in this journey with Jesus. So friends, be counted as Christ, belonging to him. Count those that are for you and be counted as someone for others. You are meant to thrive on the journey with Jesus, belonging to his people. No matter how magical you feel, alone with the spirit, you were made for belonging, for his kingdom, for these people. May it be so with us. Would you pray with me? Good and holy God, we thank you for the wilderness. We thank you for those spaces in which we recognize we have not only deep longing, but deep need for a perfect obedience, for a righteousness that is unstained, that is perfect. Jesus, that you grant that to us. For the weary, for those who recognize they aren't good enough, that their striving could never accomplish what is needed, you say, come and rest. The work is finished. Believe in me. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move in our hearts today to remind us of that truth, of our standing in you, Jesus. That we belong to you. And for some of us, maybe it might be the first time that we have that sense of belonging, and we just ask for your peace to invade our hearts in this moment. And Lord, from that finished work, from our Entry into your kingdom. Equip us to be people that belong to each other. That fight for each other. That care for each other. For your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So as you contemplate who's on your list. Or whose list you are on. We're going to partake of a family meal together. (coughs) The Lord's Supper that marks those that are to be counted, those that have trusted in Jesus for salvation, that are part of his family, his kingdom, and called to care for each other. So as our helpers come, this is a meal for all those that have put their hearts' trust in Jesus for salvation. If you're here and have yet to do that, we just ask that you would abstain from this meal and watch as we partake of it together. As we wait for the elements to all be distributed and take this meal together, I just invite you to pray and ask that the Spirit would help you to recognize those that you are meant to stand alongside. Those whose arms are tired that you have been equipped to hold up. And those that he's placed in your life to care for you.